0: God, I'm asking you right now to go through this Facebook right now. Those watching, God, that you minister to them. God, your spirit knows no boundaries. And we know that you can touch each and every life that is hearing this word today. I ask you, Lord, to minister to me. In Jesus' name, I pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. I want to preach tonight with the thought of my God is faithful. My God is faithful. Amen. Is your God faithful? We have the same God. Amen. My God is faithful. We've been singing the song for a while here at the church. And, uh, oh, oh, Sister Harmon, she's, she's coming up here and singing it and just letting it fly. Miss Erica, she's letting it fly. The title of the song is Goodness of God. The goodness of God. And this chorus just keeps going over and over in my heart, over and over. And it says, I got the words today and I put it in here. All my life, you have been faithful. And all my life, you've been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Hallelujah. That song touches my heart, touches my mind, because he's been so faithful to me. Been so faithful to me. We want faithfulness in our lives, right? We get up in the morning, we want our wife to have the pancake just the way we want it, right? We want her faithful in fixing their pancakes every morning. She hasn't fixed pancakes in a long, long time. I'm just telling you that. We like faithfulness. I'll just tell you a little bit about me. Nabisco was faithful. They made these cookies that I loved. They were, they were called, I think they were called waffle creams or wafer creams. And they're the kind that, Shelly calls them the lard cookies. They have like a white cream inside and they're, they're like sticks. And they have a little cookie. Anybody get your Nabisco made the best they were faithful when i was hungry for them they're like three dollars a package they were long about that long about that What? i'd go get me they were faithful they treated me right every time i eat them i loved them i enjoyed them every time I didn't have a bad one they were good and then Nabisco decided not to make them anymore took them off the market I'm telling you, brother Sky, that's a bad thing. When you, you love something, they take it off. My favorite deodorant. They were faithful in making it. Man, man, they made this deodorant that made me smell good all the time. I could go work all day, brother Angel, and carpentry work, and I come back. I was like, smell my pits. They don't even stink. It was the truth. It was an awesome thing. And then they quit making it. They stopped being faithful to me. We like faithful things in our lives, and things we get used to especially, but God is faithful. He is faithful to his children. I'm so happy tonight that we can, we know that. We can rest assured that God's faithful. If he said it, it's going to happen. And my grandma, she was about this tall, and maybe about that tall with her granny bun, and her name was Granny Abney. That's mom's mom. And she told me, she said, if God said it, that's what... I know I I believe it, and then that settles it. That's why she said, "If God said it, I believe it, and that settles it." And then she changed it. She said, "It doesn't matter whether I believe it or not; it still settles it." I was like, "That's good. If God said it, it settles it whether we believe it or not." I'm glad you feel that way because I'm going to preach the word tonight, and it settles it whether we believe it or not. How many? How many ever get offended at the word of God? I do. I do. You get convicted by it? That's an offense. It is God's showing you something. You're like, no, not that one. Yeah, like, okay, God, I see it. I see it. Sometimes it's sharper than any two inches, or it cuts us sometimes. That's offensive to me if my son was to cut me. Matter of fact, tonight, I walk back to the youth room, and my 12-year-old gets to playing with something, he pulls out a knife. And I said, well, What do you have that knife here for? He said, Everybody carries in here, Dad. And I was like, What kind of youth we raised in here? Everybody's carrying a knife. <laughs> And I said, you're 11. I said, you're not carrying tonight's song. Pastor's carrying tonight, <laughs> so there you go. Oh, man. Every time we sing that song, my heart feels like it's going to explode. You ever have songs like that where they, they just hit you? I remember the first time I heard the Revelation song and the impact it had on my life. And every time I hear it, there's still a soft spot there that just begins, my heart begins to swell. I feel like the Grinch. It swells up however many times it's too big. That's the way I feel. My heart gets heavy. Amazing Grace still does the same thing to me. I've sung it all my life. I'm 54 years old. And it still does the same thing to me because it's by His grace. And guess what? His grace is sufficient for whatever I'm going through, whatever I need. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But there's songs like that that touch our heart. I just want to crawl up in the lap of Jesus and say, God, look how mean they are to me, Lord. This world's vicious. God, I just want to hug up on you. I want to love on you tonight. Wow. The song's been going over and over in my head, in my mind. I begin to think about all the times that God's been faithful to me. And you know what? The enemy does not want me to think that way. Because when I start remembering what God's done for me, He doesn't want us to remember anything that God's done for us. You know what? That's what why we have to testify. The church world has got rid of testimony service because it became a complaint service. Well, the devil's been riding my back all week, Pastor. We'll take the saddle off and he'll stop riding so much. We need to give God glory. We need to praise God for what he's doing. And when we remember what he's done in our lives, we remember that he's been faithful. He's been faithful. He's been faithful. i sung a song when I think about the Lord and what he's done for me, how he saved me, how he's filled me, how he's filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he's filled me to the uttermost. Hallelujah. How he's kept me from danger and walked me through. When I had to walk through something, he was there with me. Amen. How he watched over me when I shouldn't have survived. How he's faithful. He was faithful. He is faithful. He's going to be faithful. To forgive me when I stumble. (laughs) How he's been with me when no one else could help. God was faithful. When my friends, my family. No one could help me. But God was still faithful to me. He's been faithful to me. Has he been faithful to you? I want to look at a few ways that our God is faithful. That's just kind of the introduction. We're going to get started. It's not very long, so don't, don't get scared or anything. God is faithful in providing for us. How many has ever struggled with finances? I'm raising my hand. I'll raise both hands feet. I think everybody at some point has struggled in finances. Whether it's just a season in your life, whether it was a long season in your life or a short season in your life. Listen at this. And and like I said, we're going to go through the word of God a lot tonight. And and I know these are familiar scriptures, but they're familiar for a good reason. Because they're a great remembrance of what God's done in our lives. Philippians 4.19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad that he doesn't supply your riches by your riches? Or someone else's riches, but it's by his riches? Yes. Hallelujah. When you may feel that life is unfair, remember that God is your provider. Your needs are being met. You may not have everything you want, but you have everything you need when you have God. Hallelujah. Yes. Matthew 6 and 8 says, therefore, do not be like them. We're talking about people praying out loud so they can hear them. Everybody knows these scriptures. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. I preached it just a couple weeks ago. This keeps finding its way into my sermons. He knows my needs before I ask. But yet he said ask. Seek. (laughs) Hallelujah. Don't stop asking. You're in need of something. Don't stop asking. Well, God already knows my needs, so I don't need to ask him. No, don't stop asking him. Keep asking him. He knows your need before you ask him. Keep asking Trusting God to provide your needs. When you don't see a way, develops a stronger dependence on God. God, there's no way this is going to happen. There, there's just no way that this can financially happen. I know my bank account. I know how much money Shelley spends. There's no way this is going to happen. I may need to ride home later, so I'm just just saying, Do you know what? When we start leaning on God, we start depending on Him. When we start putting our trust and our faith in God. I preach Sunday, God's timing is not our timing. We need to put our faith and trust in Him. When we can put our faith and trust in God, it's amazing what He's going to do for us. Because then, you know, it helps us grow mature. uh, It helps us to grow spiritually mature. I can't even say it. I can't even talk to that. Helps us to mature spiritually. There, I was saying it backwards. That was my problem. We need to mature spiritually. And when we can trust in God and have faith in him, that's what happens. And you know what? That little bit of trust, that little bit of faith, I, I tell this story all the time. Me and Shelly bought a brand-new, spanking-new 1996 Corolla, Toyota Corolla. Had 12,000 miles on it. It was at the shop. It had been a used car. And this is one of them that didn't have electric windows. Carton asked me this week, Dad, do they still make them cars? still do, son. He goes, why? I said, I don't know. They they still do. But we bought that car, and I told the guy, I said, I'm not negotiating with you. I said, I can afford $225 a week, and he said, we can, or yeah, a month. I'm sorry. Thanks, mom. (laughs) She's still wiping my nose, isn't she? Anyhow, $225 a month. I went to church one night, and I almost had that payment you know and it's still about a week away and i think i had about 175 or 200 of it and god said give that 200 and i was just like god now i'm been a faithful servant i've been tithing i've been giving offering but i'm saving this 200 you don't want me to give this because then i have nothing to give to he said you still don't have enough to pay your payment give me that 200 dollars, and i just i pulled it out i walked to the front i put it in the offering i was like now what god and I was like, hey dad can I borrow $225? God took $200 of it. I went back. I knew God was going to be faithful. I knew he was going to provide for me. I just didn't know how it was going to work. Before I could get out the door that night, a man came up to me and shook, shook my hand. I love these handshakes where they have money in them. We call that the preacher handshake. It's good. Anyway, and I, I realized there was money in there. And I told him, oh, man, you don't have to. He said, yeah, I do. God told me to. And so I shook his hand. And I just put it in my pocket, went on out to the car Later on, and she, Shelly and I are in the car, and I said, look what this man gave me, the money." I start pulling up. It's $300. I didn't even have enough to make my car payment. God said, give it. I'll give back to you. Press down, shaking together, running over. That's a running over blessing right there, amen? That's not even in my notes. I'm just, sorry, that's going to cost us another five minutes tonight. We're going to keep moving. Surrendering is a process that acknowledges God's sovereignty and control when we surrender everything in our life i'm not just talking about finance you hear a preacher talking about giving i'm talking about of yourself when you start giving yourself to the lord you're going to start doing some things differently you're going to start working in the church and doing some things you never expected to do in a church you know what when god has has you you're going to do some crazy things like well i never thought i'd do that before never thought i'd do that before never thought i'd give to that project before i found out the other day we bought a sewing machine for somebody in india Praise the Lord. Never thought I'd buy a sewing machine for somebody in India, but we did. Praise the Lord. Trusting God. We have to trust God. Surrender to the process. Surrendering is a process that acknowledges God's sovereignty and control. That's why we lift our hands in worship. I, I love that uh, when I was a kid growing up, we'd go to Pekin Park and Pekin, Illinois, and we'd either play Army or Cowboys and Indians. And, that, you know, I'm sure that would get us in trouble nowadays, but that's the way we play and uh, we'd, always, we'd always catch somebody, the bad guy. It had to be my brother. He was always the bad guy. And when I'd catch him, he would stick him up. What would he do? He'd raise his hands. What is that? He surrendered. He surrendered everything. Is he going to get beat down, Brother Angel? We're, we're going to throw him down the hill if he doesn't surrender. That's just the way we were. We are surrendering to God. We need to continue to surrender everything in our life to God. Surrendering identifies that we give up. It's useless to continue on with your control. If God's not in control, man, you're spinning your wheels. You're doing what the the, the, uh, term of insanity is, doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. That's insanity. Surrender to God. Let him have control. My dad was held at gunpoint uh, a few years ago. It had been a long time ago down in Houston, Texas, He quickly realized he had to surrender to the one in control for his life, for my sister's lives. We need to come to the realization that God is in control and we need to surrender his will and his way. He's not pointing a gun to our head, but you know what? He's got great things for us when we'll surrender control over to him, amen? I know that may not be a great analogy nowadays, but that's the way I see it, man. You put a gun to my side, I surrender I do that when I raise my hand, to God. I surrender. I give everything to you, Father. I don't care what I look like. I don't care what I sound like. God, since COVID, I can't be the same anymore. My worship's changed since COVID because we was locked out of this church for a couple of weeks. I said, not again. I'm not going to do the same old thing. Well, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. No, my worship's going to be loud. It's going to be exuberant. It's going to be crazy things. They're going to think, that guy's crazy, man. What's he doing up there? I'm worshiping God. I'm going to surrender to God. I'm going to give him the praise he deserves and keep lifting my hands and surrender to him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. There are seasons in life where we may ask ourselves, how will I make it? How will I survive? And we're talking about provision from God and how he's faithful to provide for us. We may feel stretched financially. We may feel out of whack emotionally or feelings of destitute spiritually. We all come to these places in our life. God will take care of us because he cares for his children. It's just simple like that. You care for your children, amen? There have been times when I wasn't sure how I was going to pay all my bills, but God provided resources that I didn't even see. I just told you the story about it. God's provisions are not limited to material possessions, but God will provide us with peace of mind. Through a year of COVID, peace has been invaluable. Peace has been invaluable. Peace of mind. Amen. God will provide us with courage when we don't want to get out of bed and face another day. He'll give us courage. He'll provide that courage for us. Amen. God will provide for us a renewal of our mind. God will provide direction. He'll provide rest. He'll provide hope if we'll just trust, trust God to pro- provide everything in our lives. One of the biggest lessons we can learn is to depend on God more and more by praying, casting our cares on Him, and surrendering to Him. We need to stop being self-dependent, but more God-dependent. Stop trying to figure it out yourself. Give it to the Lord. Amen. First Peter 5 and 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. God is faithful in providing for us. Amen. Next thing I want to look at, God is faithful to uplift and encourage us. How many of you ever need to be encouraged? I know mom and dad's in my sermons every week. You preach from where you live. You do. You have experience in life. That's where it was. Uh, most of you uh, already know. Our son, Peyton, went through cancer when he was 16 years old. And I tell the story. I, I walked into mom and dad's house one day, and I was discouraged. I was upset about the process and what he was having to go through and the pain he was in, everything going on. And I come in, and I give him the full report. I said, the doctor said this, 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 this. And then I was going to my house. And after I got done telling my story to him, well, then I just broke down and started sobbing. You know, and I, and I, I put my head in the couch, and when I finally sat back up and I look at my mom and dad, they're still just looking at me like, what are you doing? I was like, well, that's no compassion at all. <laughs> I was looking for them to get up. Come, come here, son. Let me, let me hug on you. Mom, come over here and wipe my nose again. And I thought that's the way it would be. Not at all. My dad says these words. He said, son, God's not concerned with your tears. He's concerned with your faith. He's concerned with your faith. And I was like, this is not a teaching moment. I need a hug. <laughs> but it was the truth. It was something I needed to hear. God will take care of us and he will encourage us in the moment. He will uplift us when we're, when we're at our lowest. Uh, Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident in this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until this day of Christ, of Jesus Christ. I know that was in our, our text, but I wanted to read that again. When we're burdened with the cares of life, God will lift us up and encourage us. When you feel like giving up or need an extra boost, seek God's word for restoration. We have a book, and we ought got to believe in it. When I was a youth pastor, I said it all the time. And I said, do we believe this word? It's truth. This is the truth. It's the infallible word of God. And if you can't have something in absolute truth, then you can't have absolute wrong. And that's what the world wants. This is absolute truth, and I believe it with all my heart. When you feel like giving up or you need an extra boost, seek God's word. Are you feeling overwhelmed by things? Seek God's word. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What's that mean? I don't have the strength within myself, but through Christ, I can do anything. I can do all things through his strength. Amen. If you feel rejected or abandoned, God's word says, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord, your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. It's in Deuteronomy 31 and 6. When we feel we're searching for purpose, Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Aren't you glad you have hope in Christ? Well, you can get as discouraged as you want, but all you got to think about, but Jesus, man, he loved me so much. He went to a cross that I could have eternal life. I'm going to put my faith and trust in him. You know what? You start doing that, you start getting really encouraged. Real fast. God's word affirms that God's plans for you are to prosper you and not to harm you. All these scriptures uh, uh, tell us that God cares deeply for us and that they are there to encourage us. Every one of these scriptures have been here for, to encourage us, and it's the source of our strength. God is the source. And you know, this is what I go to is the word of God where I can't find. And I heard somebody say this one time. And I, I kind of chuckled. I was like, I don't know if I believe that or not. They said every situation and that you can think of is in this word. I found it to be true. I found words in here. I thought I didn't even know them. words were real. I've heard them nowadays, but they're in here first. Some words I don't even use are in here. Lord help us. Sometimes balancing life, balancing spouses, kids, business, grandkids, church, or even God. In moments where we feel overwhelmed, God's word encourages us, lifts us up, and reminds us that we have everything we need in Christ Jesus. Amen. Each new day is another opportunity to start again and to place trust in God and focus on surrendering my circumstances to God. Wow, I was in class this past week, and, and the pastor there was, was given the lesson. That's what he was talking about. He said every morning he starts off. He said, I'm a morning person, 6 a.m. He said, I'm up praying. I said, well, I drag in the church at 8 o'clock and pray. Is that the count? He said, I start every morning. It's a new. He said, talking about being a new opportunity every morning to focus and surrender to God. When you're in need of encouragement, don't give up. Don't give up. Know that you're not alone. So a lot of people think, well, the pastor, he never has problems. Or Brother Scott, he says, Jack, they never have problems. Well, look at him. He's in a nice suit and everything. They stop looking around at other people and realize we're all humans. We're going through the same things. We all have a family tree that looks like somebody hit every branch all the way down. And they did everything wrong all the way down. We all have them same people in our family. Believe me. Come to our family reunion. Everything that's happened to you... It's happening to everyone else in the church. Next thing I want to look at is God is faithful in comforting you. And again, this week, this has hit hard in our family. Matthew 5, verse number 4 said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I found out Monday night that a friend of mine had passed away. found out Tuesday night Sister Elizabeth passed away. You know what, life is short. I did a funeral a week or two ago, and, and I told, talked about it and how life is just a vapor and the, the scripture talks about it. it. It's so, it is like, the, it is a vapor. I know the word of God is true, but we don't realize it until we see it up close. You know, when I was 21 and heard that scripture, I was like, huh, doesn't seem like a vapor to me. When I'm 30, it didn't seem like a vapor. When I'm 54 and I look back, it's like, wow, I don't look 21 anymore. Life is a vapor, man. What happened? Who's the old man living in my house? It's me. This is exactly what's going on in our family right now. Tiffany and Ashley, we need to be in prayer for them. understand that they're going through an emotional time. You know what? In everybody's time of uh, mourning is different. Their grief is different. And uh, so we need, need to... Be sensitive to that and understand and be praying for them. Uh, We all have mourned something, death of a loved one, loss of a job, friendship, relationship. In times of loss or mourning, it's natural for the human to want to be distant, discouraged, and disenchanted with God. God, why did you let this happen? This is a Christian woman. Why, God? I sat with them visiting the other day at the restaurant. I told them a story. My brother-in-law years ago passed away and he had Lou Gehrig's disease. And my sister-in-law, Shelly's sister, uh, took care of him. Uh, I don't know how many years he suffered with that, but for years and years he went from a, a vibrant man to uh, basically just laying in bed with his mind fully functioning, couldn't, couldn't do anything for himself. He was paralyzed basically. And she loved on him, and she took care of him for years that way. And one day, when hospice was there taking care of him, she walked in the bathroom, and she broke down and began to cry. She said, God, I can't take it anymore. You have to heal him or take him? She walked out of the room, and he had passed. My brother-in-law, Jared, had passed. It taught me a lesson there. I believe that, and then we see it in the Scripture, too. We keep people here sometimes longer than they're supposed to be here. We do. And uh, we ask God for things that maybe we shouldn't ask for sometimes. We see that in Hezekiah. But uh, at the same time, I told them, I said, you know what? As a mother or father, she wanted to be here with her kids, six kids. She wanted to see them all raised and have family. I'll be honest with you. When all my boys are gone, they're all married and raised, and we have grandkids and everything, I still don't want to die. I don't. It's not that I don't want to go to heaven. I do want to go to heaven. I want to see Jesus, but I want my kids to go with me. They're thinking, I'm not getting in the car with him anymore. He wants me to go with him to heaven. <laughs> we can't be become distant. Things go wrong in our life. Discouraged with God. Disenchanted with God. We need to realize God is faithful. He's faithful. And in his word, we can see that our human emotions can consume us. In seasons of loss, can I tell you that God's faithfulness will carry us through these situations? God will comfort our spirit, and we can overcome with Christ as our focus. You know, we talk about focus all the time and magnify. We hear words like that in church. We magnify the Lord. Well, what's a magnifier do? It brings things closer. And when we're getting God closer and closer to our eyesight, that's all we're seeing. We can't see all these outside distractions. Peter had a problem with magnifying god when he's walking on water why god bid me to come if it's you this is pretty cool i'm walking on water here he goes walking on water but he got his eyes off jesus and started looking at the wave Uh oh what in the world am i doing out here and that's when he began to sink. now i give him all the credit though and he's the only one besides jesus i know to walk on water so i'm not down on peter he was smart enough to even say lord help me <laughs> Reach up to. We can't get our eyes focused on other things, though. We have to stay focused on Jesus and understand that when these situations come on, life's going to happen. Because of sin, bad things are going to happen. But we have to stay focused on God, even when we're wanting to break away. We don't want to talk to anybody. We we just want to live in our discouragement. Can I encourage you to go to God? Go to God. Amen. God's comfort can restore and revive our broken spirit. In times of grief, God's comfort is what will sustain and nourish our spirit. Our, we don't take care of our spirit, man, like we need to. You have to understand what we're going through in this life. We, we have lost in a lot of different ways and different things. We need to go to God that we can go through these adversities and he'll help us through them. It allows us to continue to move forward when we lean on God. It also provides reassurance and rest for our weary souls. Amen. The next one I want to look at is God's faithful in strengthening you. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9 says, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. At times, life has a way of weighing us down. Knocking the wind out of our sails, and none of us like it. I don't like being discouraged. I'm a happy person most of the time, so I don't like bad things to happen. My baseball teams, my football teams, I don't like the Razorbacks losing. I mean, after a while, you just have to shut it off and go pray somewhere. God, I can't take any more of them. Just shut it off. Takes the wind out of our sails. How many has ever had everything go your way only to have the rug jerked out from underneath you? Now, I don't want to be that person that everything's going my way and say, well, this is temporary. I know something's fixing to happen. No, I'm going to be positive. It's like, I'm going to ride this wave until it ends. Well, I'm just going to keep on going with this blessing until it ends. I don't care what it is. God, I'm going to keep riding with you. We've all experienced seasons where we're depleted within our own strength and feel weak. God's power is made strong in your weakness. So you have to understand when you're weak, God wants to be strong inside of you. God wants to be strong inside of you. And you're in a perfect position when you're weak for him to do something with you. I talk about position all the time. We need to position ourselves for God to do something inside of us. Get weak. He'll be strong in you. Amen. (laughs) Don't don't really go looking for weakness. It'll find you. And when it does, let God be strong in you. God will strengthen us for our specific assignment. And the journey ahead, hallelujah, if we just look to him in these times. When we're weary, God will provide us rest. You must first acknowledge that you need to depend on God more and more each day. We get so caught up in ourselves thinking, you know what, I can do this. It's all about me. But Paul, what he's talking about here in 2 Corinthians 12 and 9 He speaks it to the church at Corinth, reminding them that God's grace and power is available to strengthen them during their seasons of weakness. And we all go through them. And we all go through them. I don't know any super Christians that don't go through some weakness in their lives. This verse reaffirms the reality that we don't have to be ashamed of our weakness because God, he's going to get his glory through his strength in our life in them times. Amen. And lastly, Shelly, if you'd come back. God is faithful in sending community and support, friends, family, church to help us along this way. It's 803. I'm, I'm just gonna be a few minutes. Hebrews 10:25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We've all read that scripture that I don't know that we all believe it anymore. When you feel like no one understands and you're all alone, God will provide a community, a church, a support system for you. Amen. That's what a church is, a body of believers. Your church should be the biggest part of your community support. Got too many Christians nowadays that, well, I have a Bible. I have a relationship with Jesus and I don't have to go to church. I don't need to go to church. Well, they thought it was important enough in the earlier church when they started the early church in acts they were meeting daily we've cut that way back it's sunday and wednesday and a lot of churches don't do anything but sunday they were meeting daily but the modern church now the modern believer believes i've got the word of god i have my relationship i don't need anybody else we're missing what the word said god knows the importance of gathering together as a body Stop trying to walk when you don't have feet. I'm going to get to a scripture here about that in just a minute. Stop trying to do things without the rest of the body. 1 Corinthians 12 and 21. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. The body is fitly joined together. Fitly joined together. Everybody has a part is what this is saying. Your leg's not going to work without your feet. Without your knees, without your thighs, without your torso, without your arms, your hands, your eyes, your ears. Hallelujah. We have to be the body of Christ that we're built to be. We need each other. We're built for community. Along with the church body, our community may be Christian friends. Amen? Anybody have a Christian friend you can lean on once in a while and ask them a question about stuff? Amen. The Christian friend, they, they have an ear, they're ready to listen to you. How about a grow group? I love grow groups. I told somebody the other day, uh, I said, I love old people. And I don't mean that offensive because now I'm old. I remember as a, as a kid, a teenager, I loved talking to my grandparents. Loved hearing what they had to say. Listening to their stories. I absolutely loved it. But what I was gaining is wisdom. That's not to say Drew's so smart. I'm just saying that's what they were imparting to me. I didn't even know it. They were imparting wisdom to me. Had no clue. I just thought there were great stories. Wow. God uses different things to speak into our lives, different groups of people to encourage and uplift us and remind us that we're not alone. Pastors, teachers, men and women ministries, grow groups, Christian friends and family are some great examples of community, but we will never replace the tabernacle. We'll never replace the tabernacle. Coming to God at the tabernacle. Can I tell you, never seek counsel from someone that's not living for God. Never seek counsel from someone not serving the Lord. Always seek counsel first from your shepherd. That's not because I'm the shepherd. That's just the rule of thumb. When I had problems in my life, I didn't seek counsel on my wife. I went to my pastor. I wanted prayer. I wanted encouragement. I wanted him to lead and guide me. Why? Because there's order in the kingdom of God. Amen. And God has placed shepherds over flocks so he can protect the sheep from the wolves that would come in. Amen. Lord, help us. It gets tougher. Are you still with me? Always seek counsel from your shepherd first. If God has placed a shepherd over you, it's for good reason. God is a God of order. Me and Brother Scotty were talking today. God places people in and to be planted. And what do they do? They uproot themselves and take themselves somewhere else. When God's planted them to grow in that spot. Lord, help us. Place yourself in an accountability position. I created that today and I thought, because I'm always talking about position, we need to be accountable to each other. Well, pastor, you're not accountable. Absolutely I am. The pastors in this district I'm accountable to. I have friends that I place myself under accountability because I don't want to be under that, or or out from underneath an umbrella of accountability. You know, when there's no accountability, then we think we can do whatever we want. You know what, some of these, I'm going to say it, Some of these feel like after a while there's no accountability. They don't need a shepherd. They're going to stay home. They don't have to get together with the saints. They become their own pastor. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. The enemy's trying to cut Christians from the flock, and we don't seem to understand what's going on. We're believing a lie that we don't need the church. Listen to what John Gill says about this in his commentary. He said that neglecting the church is the first outward visible step to apostasy. Apostasy. Apostasy is the abandonment of a religious or political belief. Would you stand with me? Make no mistake about it, God is our ultimate source and support of wisdom. We should seek God's word daily for wisdom and direction when we feel lost, confused, or isolated. Support from people shouldn't replace the ultimate support from God. God is faithful. When we are not. God is faithful when life isn't fair. Hallelujah. When you want to throw in the towel, he's still faithful. When you're feeling overwhelmed, he's still faithful. Be assured that God will provide. He'll uplift. He comforts. He strengthens. He supports you. Why? He's faithful. He's a faithful God. Amen.